0: For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today.
1: Uh, hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by Matthew Collins. Thanks for for coming on, Matthew. How are you doing?
0: Good. It is like looking in a mirror, here, isn't it? I still brush my hair, and oh, I'm very, I'm very well. I, I was just telling you, um, I had COVID last week, so um, I've got a bit of, oh, I've had a little bit of cabin fever. I guess
1: you know, <laughs> first night out in a, in a wee while last night. First
0: night, out, first night, you know, like Monday night when you run down the pub and there's no one there, and it. But that was actually quite good. I enjoyed my own company. I've done the pub quiz and everything.
1: Because <laughs> right, there's no competition. None at all.
0: no the smartest <laughs> man in the pub.
1: When when I was uh, getting you on, Matt, I was thinking, how how do I describe you at present? Do I describe you as a uh, an author, uh, a researcher for Hope Not Hate? What what would you say about yourself?
0: Well, I do a lot of shoe modelling and gloves, um, but author golden Bennett. Yeah, that would upset some people. Yeah, author. I, I run the intelligence, uh, that's not an oxymoron, I run the intelligence at Hope Not Hate, which is basically um, uh, using all legal methods to uh, destabilise the far right in this country. Some things we can't talk about, you just have to accept they're happening. Uh, that, that's, that's sexy, isn't it?
1: It sounds exciting. sounds very exciting. And. Yeah. For those that, that don't know, you know it's it's been almost full circle for yourself. You know, I I was very late to the the party reading reading your book. You know, my life in the far right. I only read it. Uh, All
0: right, yeah, you, you probably got to it so late. I didn't get paid for for, for you buying a copy. <laughs> yes, it's um, it, yeah, it's it, it's full circle, I guess. Um, I mean, it's it's so it's so long ago. I, I've been a, I've been doing anti-fascism longer than i was doing fascism by a Ten uh, probably ten times longer, but yeah, I, um, I as a very young man, a boy, I, I guess, as a teenager, I got involved with uh, the National Front, as it was then, and, and the, the British National Party and Combat Eighteen, um, in the sort of mid to late nineteen eighties, and then and then through to um, nineteen ninety three when I I left the country. Um, I would worked on a, I did I did three years sort of um, I did three years as a fascist, uh, a, a horrible little Nazi, and then I did three further years passing information working for the the magazine as it was known then and, uh, as Searchlight, passing information to to them, and towards towards the end of that period I took part I, I worked with uh, World in Action. Which did the first big expose of Combat Eighteen, and then um, I, I went to live in Australia uh, straight, almost straight after that, and I did uh, did ten years there.
1: I think the the question for for many people would be, and I think there's lots of factors to this, Matthew. Like when you're a young man, what attracts you to a group like the National Front or or the BMP or, or any sort of far right fringe group? Um.
0: I think everybody has different stories, and also those organisations are much different um, now than they were than they were then. Um, but uh, look, I've been over this like thousands of times, and it's 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 not a particularly easy thing. Just to put one, you know, just put one finger on it. Um, I, I was attracted to, I guess, it had a sense of inclusion. Um, small and nasty, um, I was very much attracted to its racism. I'm not one of those people that sort of always seems to say, oh, I was duped and um, I had these legitimate concerns and then I became a Nazi. Um, I had concerns and I think, I think some of which um, are legitimate. People are worried or concerned about where they grow up or change it or, or change or their own part in society. But I was racist. I was horrendous. I was a horrendous little racist, and I, be- I became a teenage racist, and then I became uh, a teenage Nazi. Um, and it, this was, you know, this was in the nineteen eighties. There was no internet. You couldn't find an National Front in the phone book. Yeah. Um, but I hunted and hunted and hunted until eventually I found them, and I joined. And and you know, for me, a, a curious teenager, but not particularly bright. Um, the National Front, you know, was brilliant. It, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. It gave me answers and solutions to a lot of things. Those probing questions, and it took, uh, like I say, I think, quite genuine fears and concerns that young people have, or all people have about growing up and, and, and leaving school. It, it articulated to me um, exactly how I was feeling about myself and, and society.
1: And, and that was it. I, I, I was hooked. I, I became a member. Do you think, I mean, I, I'm over some, from Motherwell in North Lanarkshire, and you know, it's a very post-industrial town. And I suppose at that time, you know, in, in the late 80s, early 90s, you could apply that rhetoric to many, many towns and places across the whole of the UK. You know, they're they're coming out of a uh, an industrial boom and into a, a mega decline. And I wonder for a lot of males, you know, that there wasn't that pathway to work as, as easy as there was, maybe for their
0: yeah, family. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I grew up in South London. We weren't, you know, we, we weren't <laughs> mourning the loss of the, the coal industry or the, or the steel industry. I mean, everyone, I, everyone I went to school with, either joined the army or went to work with their dad on a building, or went to work with their dad or a cousin or a brother on a on a building site. But most of the friends I knew, even my own brothers, um, but you're right. That, that sort of picture in time, right across the UK, England, Scotland, Wales, even in even in, in Northern Ireland, you know, uh, people, you know, I think a really quite brutal period in 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 British history, um, you know, economically, uh, and industrially, a country Britain has seemed to be in continual decline since before <laughs> even I was born, since before even I was born, and then. How, how people dealt with that, because it, it was a time of, I mean, we've got quite a, a challenging prime minister at the moment, but I think those are really challenging times. I, I grew up, my formative years were spent, the television was dominated by industrial unrest, the, the dangers of the trade union, the loony left, um, war, war in the Falklands, restoring our pride, Murder and bomb and terrorism, racism, uh, and and for a young boy in in South London, that was the that was the picture I I had growing up. It, 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 but, but you know, funny looking back on it now, I guess because I I look back at a terribly wasted or misspent youth. They were exciting, and I think probably intelligent times as well, in the way that people stood up to. And resisted what was happening. Even though ultimately, I guess many people may feel that uh, they lost or they didn't get their just rewards for it. I, I think looking how people now uh, challenge or resist things, um, haven't got a, haven't haven't got a haven't really got a spot on how things were how things were done then.
1: But I think something that, that you touched on, you know, it in in your book, uh, My Life in the Far Right, was you were very different to a lot of people at your high school as well. And I suppose yeah. it's almost giving yourself a, a sense of identity, even if they think, you know, what's Matt doing? Who's who's these people he's hanging around with? I don't get it. To you, it made total sense at the time.
0: It made yeah, it made total sense to me um, to be what the a, a cross between the class clown, class idiot, and potentially dangerous uh, individual. And, and and you know, by the time I was sixteen, I guess I would. I, I wasn't really a class clown or class idiot anymore. I was in an organisation that, for most people, didn't even exist anymore. It, you know, National Front only existed on walls as graffiti. It had become a, like a byword for nasty racist, and I was actually inside. You know, I was actually inside that organisation. I remember the the friends that I had at the time were sort of disturbed. That I'd actually joined this group, this political party that I'd always spoken about and, and dreamed about, that no one ever saw or heard of anymore. And then I just thought, I think I just turned up to school one day and said, oh, "I have joined the National Front. I found them." And um, everybody just went, yeah, "I think you might have gone a little bit, a little bit too far this time." But <laughs> there you go. I, I I found them and and I and I and I joined them. And then I think probably later on I did quite a good. Job of contributing to their complete destruction,
1: but yeah, time will tell, I guess. Do you know what? At the time, Matt, when you did join them, you touched on it earlier as well. You said, you know, it's not like there was the internet; you couldn't Google it and find out where these people were hanging about or where right. their meetings were. Like, what was the process like with that? And and were they welcoming at first? Because it's as you've been very involved in yourself, there is a lot of paranoia, and you know, oh. who are they spying on? Is is this person genuine?
0: Yeah, they were oh see that that shagger's elbow they almost <laughs> fell off the table. Um no, uh yeah, they were incredibly paranoid. But I was also very, very young. I was 15, so no real chance I was um one of these mythical MI5 <laughs> or MI six agents. Um I, I I also remember at the same time the BNP actually leaflet where I lived, that so I went from nothing to being overwhelmed with it. But no, they were terribly welcoming. I was very, very young. Which they like, obviously, because you know that's new blood. Um, so it, it brings life to the movement, it brings young life to the movement. And they were incredibly paranoid, but also they were very, very welcoming. People don't, uh, people obviously don't like to hear that, but you wouldn't hang around with them if they weren't well. Wouldn't Absolutely. hang around with them if they weren't friendly. And like I, you know, it was getting to that period in my life where, um you, you know, at fifteen I was incredibly bored with school and life and home and. And all of these things, um, and the National Front was just, you know, it, you know, in a very, very small world. I mean, yeah, you know, they didn't open the world to me, obviously, because much of happened in a phone box. You know, it was that small. Yeah. But they, you know, I, I learned an incredible lot about myself, about how you know how racists and, and, and fascists think. They, I'd never really read books or, or magazines, and it, it, it it's funny because although I thought at the time i was very very political i'd never be, really been in a political party and then suddenly i was in i was in the national front and they were engaged in um sort of political activities like leafleting or trying to sell newspapers standing in elections so they opened up that whole they opened up that whole world to me um but also about it being very very welcoming it was also very very depressing yeah and, you know got you know, in the 1980s you you really need to understand that Across the country, there was probably no less than a thousand across the United Kingdom people who were, you know, paid up, subscribed members to, to both. You know, there was two national fronts at the time too: the National Front and the BMP or the British Movement. No way was there more than a thousand across the country, and everywhere we went, you know, um, we ended up getting turned over because there were just greater. It was just greater numbers of anti-fascists. It was probably a great time to be a, to be an anti-fascist because as long as you stayed alert um, they you know, they could keep the likes of us back then you know un- under control
1: i think it's important to remember you know in the 1980s britain was totally different from what it was now you know you you tell the stories of he's gone down brick lane and oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, oh, yeah.
1: immigration Br- were nowhere near what they were like now you know people's tolerance probably wasn't what it was like now as well it was it was a totally different time wasn't it i
0: think it was i think it was a very very Different time, Uh, obviously. Justin, Justin, you know, I mean, you you speak about Brick Lane. I grew up, I grew up in South East London. We, you know, we never did anything like going to East London. Um, The, the, I I, I did write a little bit about it in hate, I guess. But there was this this massive battle um, between the far right groups like uh, anti-fascist action, Red Action, the Away Team for control of that pitch right on uh, the corner of Brick Lane and Bethnal Green Road. Because, because obviously, it was historically, you know, it it was close to Cable Street. You know, it was an emotional spot because of that. But also, it had been a meeting place around there for fascists and the far right for decades and decades. And it was, you know, it was quite a day out to go over to East London, stand on the corner of that street and sell your newspapers and you'd meet you know you'd meet old Mosleyites. you'd meet people that have been involved in the national front in the 70s that was the area despite the fact you know had a a really large and vibrant bengali community he'd opened lots of restaurants on brick lane um it was all yeah it was also for decades sort of the the center uh, of where fascists and, and, and nazis would meet in the capital every sunday and I mean, from there, obviously the the BNP launched uh, and met there and launched their campaign later on into into the Isle of Dogs, uh, where they won their first seat in 1993. But but also throughout 92 and and 93, it, it was just a massive battleground. Every Sunday just turned into into like a massive brawl. And uh, you know, a bit old for that now, but yeah, you. Know, you would Take your life in your own hands going down there if you were going down there to engage in you know fascist activity, but that, of course that you know that made it part of the fun as well. That, that I, I guess, I guess for any fascists who were out to beat up Nazis, that had you know, Sunday was a big day out <laughs> in everybody's color, in, everybody, in everybody's calendar, it was a massive day out.
1: Going into work on a Monday morning, we bit of a sore head many a time, I can imagine.
0: Well, I worked for some of that period, I was actually. Uh, working for the National Front, so you know, if you didn't go to work on a Monday with a black eye, they'd think <laughs> you hadn't put your effort in on the weekend.
1: I, I think as well, you know, you, you touched on the BMP there, and I think for anyone yeah. involved in politics or interested in, you know, left-wing or right-wing politics, the way that the BMT, uh, BMP mm-hmm. mobilised and went from a kind of street gang, you know, right-wing fuggish group to being an electoral force, I know they never Essentially, got much further than European Parliament or, or yeah. seats, but the, the way that they mobilised and actually got people elected was was worrying to a certain degree. But well, also, it was,
0: you have to well, say, it, 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 impressive. Yeah. So yeah, it is. Well, it, <sighs> impressive or the pressure depressing because I spoke about it before. Yeah. If if anti-fascists um, kept them in check, or if, anti- or, or if anti-fascists kept an eye on it, problematically, you, you know, there was rumbles of change in the BNP around about. 92, 93, they felt that the envi- environmentally, that there was opportunities, but they weren't necessarily getting the returns at the ballot box, even though they got Derek Beacon elected, and they had some mildly impressive results around that time. Um, they were more picking up members than they were picking up votes. You know, numerically, they became physically stronger. Um, and then that had to change because it was also impossible, even though they became numerically strong, and they engaged, of course, in far different sorts of violence. Because from that, of course, came combat 18. But in terms of as a party to function, they had to move away from the, conf- you know, the confrontations themselves, because they couldn't win those confrontations, and they were, and they were also bad for bad for business. But I think the, and, and this was art- this was articulated um, by, I think, groups like Red Action and Anti-Fascist Action did articulate, they could see it, you know, with the coming of new Labour, that there would be more and more uh, people who would disengage from mainstream politics, there would be more and more people who felt ignored or felt let down. Um, and, and similarly, the the people in the BNP, I, I don't know necessarily where they would have sat down and, and, and studied exactly what it was that the left was saying about you know the changes in labor and the coming of new labor but they themselves and un- they themselves understood even if they couldn't properly articulate that there were there were opportunities for them uh, to cash in and the other thing that i think people fail to fail to understand and realize is that these people who were involved then were you know the, the fascists themselves were genuinely genuinely uh, invested in this in in these ideas about taking over communities, bit by bit, about creating an environment where people of colour couldn't function. You know, where people of colour would find it very, very difficult to to live or to function or to work or to trade in in those areas. And it wasn't just a you know, it wasn't just simply a case of fascist boot boys turning up and go around terrorising people. You know, it it was done sys you know systemically. Yeah. And, and it was and it and it was done properly. And the thing, you know, for a while they 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 were able to create environments because they they managed to recruit so many people to take to take part in this. And they were capable of putting sixty or seventy people out to do leafletting and to do acts of intimidation for a while. But you know, by the same respect, you know, there was a quite a, a large pushback against them as well. But the the long term future did look. I, I think did look rather rosy for the for the far right, and it you know it up it upped its game to the point where the, the you know you couldn't just do physical responses to the the rise of fascism. You actually had to take on uh, and tackle some of the issues on which they they felt they were winning, or which some people on the left felt they were losing, or issues which are which were then and still are now, I, I guess, to, uh, very very difficult to tackle.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, my, this is my opinion, and you can disagree, Matt, or you, you can maybe agree, but... I, I, never,
0: dis- I never disagree.
1: <laughs> I, I feel that, you know, that, that the BMP and and more recently, you know, UKIP's influence on the likes of the Conservative Party, the, the far right have almost pushed what you would class as, you know, the electable right further to the right. You know, and, and you touched on it yourself in your book that you were invited along to the House of Commons by Conservative MP. House, House of Lords. House of Lords, yeah, when, when you were involved with, basically Nazi politics, you know, it's...
0: it's, 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 it's I, I went to the uh, Sudley rooms to hear uh, Clive Darby-Lewis, who was later implicated in the murder of Chris Harney of the ANC. I went to see him speak at the uh, House of Lords um, with the BNP. I don't necessarily think the BNP had a large effect on Tory party policy in general, I think the growth of the BNP up to say 2009 had a, an effect on you know on the mainstream of, of politics in our in our country, and then when the BNP was collapsing and then UKIP, you know, there was two you know in 2009 there were a million votes for the BNP. That's a substantial number of votes. So UKIP picked up the majority, I was. I would assume the majority of those 1 million votes, and UKIP, kept, UKIP went from a, a party of the right to, I think, move to a hard right position because you know it took a million BNP votes with it. And then the rise of UKIP, of course, that ate into the Tory party, and then the Tory party adopted some of UKIP's policies. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people sort of assume now that somehow the BNP or, or UKIP are in power in this country. They're not. The Tories are in power. Mm-hmm. And the language that we now hear, which is dominated by race, almost completely dominated uh, by race and law and order, laws that don't seem to apply to this government, um, that, that's the mainstream narrative. now. But the, things that, the things that we are hearing that people don't like or people get upset about, uh, they, they assume somehow it, it, it's coming from a hidden corner in a room. It's not. It's the mainstream narrative and if you go if you buy um some of the big newspapers and you you, you read what what they're saying about um our country you, you you would get a very disturbed i think you would get a very very disturbing picture about sort of race relations in in our country and that is potentially why i think at the moment the extreme far right cannot get a foothold electorally and most of the extreme far right are even not politically active, or aren't active in, in in a political sense, that they just cannot break through. That there's nothing you know, there's nothing they can add into that narrative because obviously there's there's a limit to what people can uh, can or will accept a, a, and listen to. The main, I think, the main problem for people engaged in anti-racism and uh, fascism is actually we have a mainstream, problem. Yeah. present, isn't it? <laughs> it's just
1: ridiculous, absolutely. One thing that I wanted to touch on, you know, obviously being from the, the west of Scotland, we we often get caught up in this political bubble that exists in here and also in, in the North of Ireland. And uh, back back in your day, you know, the, the National Front and the BMP were also. I mean, I I think that we think the far right is is very insular and, and they think about their own area, but you know, were creating international relations as well with you know right wing people in America, but also across the water in in the North of Ireland as well. And and that was something that you came very close to as well.
0: Yeah, well, the in in, in in fact, I mean that's almost come um, full reverse now. Um, the 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 Irish question, yeah. how the British far right tackle it and deal with it, is almost in complete reverse of what it was then. Um, yeah, well, the, the, there's a very good uh, journalist. Um, I won't I won't mention him. But he's a he's a Northern Irish journalist who works in Glasgow, and he he and I always talk about this. Hi, Jerry Braden. If you're, and um, he always says to me, I won't do a Belfast accent, but he always says to me, Matt, just how many paddies were in the National Front in the 80s? And I always get, I reel off the names, Tim O'Shea, but Murphy, Nash yeah, Almost all of the, Almost all of the, the National Front active in London in the 80s were of Irish descent. And yourself but, included as well? Yeah. Myself included, yeah, yeah. My, my, my father, he won't be... Watching or listening to this, I hope. Um, but yeah, all, all, almost all of us were of Irish descent, uh, but um, none of none of us were inclined to Irish nationalism or republicanism. Um, m- mainly because, of, of course, television, as I said before, was was dominated by murder and and bombs, and there was no more comfortable comfortable position to take for cowards than to. Sit in London and 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 take sides in it, or send money off, or some some of my colleagues uh, eventually did themselves try and ship arms and and weapons there. But I I think there's always been this idea that um, somehow the National Front or the BMP were funding loyalist paramilitaries, and so and certainly money did flow. But I think in the grand scheme of things, it was more pennies than pounds. I think up until. Then when Combat 18 came around, because they were quite engaged in serious criminality, um, I guess there was a, I know there was an increase in, in weaponry and and drugs that were, were used to, to raise funds for it. But the, the underpinning thing, I think particularly in the support for loyalism and, and unionism, was anti-Irish racism as well uh and you know again that seems like a like a strange thing to say but um the national front and the bmp was almost completely dominated by what you would call anglo-irish people um who who all took a quite quite an extreme violent and, and racist dislike to to ireland and the, and the irish question and so that that became uh obviously the expressions of support for the uda uff and the, and the UVF, but. UVF, uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I can't explain why that is, but that's the that's the. A guy was telling me the guy was telling me the other day that um, most white jihadis have ginger hair, and, <laughs> and I just I've actually just seen that disproved that it's not <laughs> it's not the case. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't understand why. But the British far right has been dominated by uh, the Anglo Irish, but why it's always traditionally took that loyalist position, but now some of the new groups coming up started with national action and now a patriotic alternative because the situation in in the six counties is very, very different. They don't have to take that sort of reactionary position about it. And we've seen now quite a bit, particularly amongst new far-right members who don't understand, although of course it is complicated, but don't understand why there is a Northern Ireland and not a United Ireland. And we've seen, because that's our job, communications between the British far right and the Irish far right. And the British far right are almost completely uh, with, with hands in the air. We don't understand this. We don't know. Um we think you should all be one homogenous indigenous island. Yeah. So it's,
1: it's interesting. I actually remember seeing recently or, or maybe about a year or so ago the videos in national action in, in Dublin getting chased off the streets and it's not a from the outside looking in. It's not really an area where I thought a group like this would uh, would breed and, and would grow.
0: You know, well, they, yeah, they uh, they did have a couple of um, supporters in in the Republic of, of Ireland, but again, National Action didn't particularly take that um, little Englander i uh, little Englander idea. Um, it was an organisation that was going to whereas let's say the National Front and the BNP were dominated by fascism and, and their Nazism, um, National Action particularly, was just dominated by race. Um, I'm not sure they ever did turn up in, in Dublin. I think that might have been one of the offshoots of, okay. of Tommy Robinson's groups who were uh, dealt with and Irish fascists who, who were dealt with on the, on the Irish train system. But um, no, the thing, you know, that, that whole thing has, has changed dramatically. And if you look at, the support for loyalists and unionists now, it comes from really, really old uh, British fascists yeah. who um, themselves actually sometimes find their own opinions uh, on, on Northern Ireland out of step with mainstream unionism. And now, now of course, there, there are so many more things that they could be debating or learning or, or trying to understand about, the, about there, but it's, it's beyond them all. So one side are dominated, you know, one part of the British right are still dominated by anti-Irish racism and the sort of the new the new breed of 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 Nazism fascists don't really don't understand what happened in the six counties and and are so disinterested to it to the point that they just see it's a lot of white people Absolutely. fighting each other. Yeah. We should never, we know, we should never talk about Ireland
1: you know, unless it's unless it's about football or golf. I really don't like talking right. about it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Matt, we we touched on, you know, you, your your life in the in the far right. Yeah. You you said at the start of the the show you you've been involved now more in anti-fascist politics and anti-fascist action yeah. for longer than you have uh, in the far right. Was there a light bulb moment for those that are listening or are watching that haven't heard your story before, or or what made you turn yourself in and and start? shopping in your comrades, so to speak?
0: Uh, I mean, we always talk about the, the pivotal moment, I guess, uh, the great moment of doubt um, was the attack at, at Welling Library, which, of course, just came to underpin some of the some of the doubts I was beginning to have. I mean, one of the criticisms about hate was that I didn't really explore politics or or anything like that but there weren't really any any politics Many people find it hard to believe they just generally we didn't discuss politics and and you know although we engaged in politics we didn't have discussions about it we went in, in promotions about it the, the general activities um were violent or, or, or was violence um so there, there was a number, there was a number of times obviously you, you get nagged at by family members it was just yeah, you know, it's what we were talking about about you know that sort of period that there there were the sort of people who went out to protest to keep hospitals open or protested to keep schools open or people who went on strike to protect their jobs. And then there were people who went out to beat people up because of their colour. And I just I I just sort of thought that they, I, I thought maybe the fascists are getting it wrong. I mean, the health of a nation is in hospitals and, and and libraries and jobs and work. And I mean, it's easy to look back now and it's almost 30 years ago. It's more than 30 years ago. But I just, you know, so you know the sort of lack of class analysis, the, the deliberate ignorance of it, that not talking about, you know, the poverty that almost all of us Came from, or all of us suffered, um, was I, I. I felt it undermined us. It undermined our our arguments that the anti-trade unionism was. I think you know again alienated us, and I began to feel that the that really you know, being isolated from the rest of society wasn't particularly healthy for me. It wasn't particularly healthy for, uh, for them. And then there was that moment well in Berlin library where of course they attacked all and everything and everyone in there was i do i, I you know I just realized then you know a small light bulb on him in my head that really all that all that is ever going to happen is we will go around just beating people up and then that you know that is a large part of racism and and, and racial hatred and and fascism obviously but um I didn't feel it was going to change anything. I, you know, how can it? It's like going out to play for football ninety minutes every week, uh, and the, the other team gets a, a full professional kit and squad, and and you have to start ten nil down. I mean, really, that that's what it was like. And I just began you know, very very sl- very very slowly, just began to think about some of those issues. And I and I do think probably the National Front did help me in some regard. Because I I, I realize on almost every position they took on something, it was the opposing opinion that was probably right. I just wanted, at the end of the day, I think I think now, looking back, I just wanted a better life. Sure. I just wanted to live somewhere nice. I wanted to live somewhere better. I wanted my mum to have uh, proper employment of security. I, I wanted all you know all of those things, which of course, I the National Front would tell you that everybody else has, but us, and of course. <laughs> You know, yeah. you're not you're not going to get it by beating everybody up. So that's you know that that's the, the cheeky 49 year old um trying to explain what's going on in the mind of <laughs> you know 20 year old. But basically that was my doubts were you know um we're all going to go to prison and we won't have achieved anything. Yeah. And um even you know now you know there's We're awash with former BNP members who joined the BNP, for instance, on its way up, who obviously 62 councillors and and two MEPs and and all that wasn't enough for them. And sometimes in my job, now I speak to those people who who had been in the BNP at the time, and they genuinely believed that the BNP were going to come to power. Genuinely genuinely believed and basically because they lived what i always call the bubble they just lived in this bubble you know they didn't listen to the radio anymore the BNP and tv shows and podcasts and all this but they genuinely was like a cult and these are people now walking walking around still 10 years after more than 10 years after when we talked to them they genuinely believed that the BNP were going to come to power
1: it's delusion, isn't it? It's like you say. But it's
0: delusion. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. But, but it is delusion. But they still, but you know, still in society there, there exist those people who aren't necessarily bad people, and they aren't necessarily Nazis, but who cannot get on with the the change of pace. People who still, you know, are, I guess you call them quite socially conservative. Still, those people. Still those people exist and still those people, even now, with this sort of government, they're reading headlines and they you know, they they believe that, you know, there's billions of people in dinghies arriving in Kent on the Kent coast every day. Yeah. And we're and we're not we're not reaching out to those people. We need to, you know, get that get that work done. Get that get that work done, but Matt, it's
1: it's very it's easy for me to say, but it's very, very brave what you've done, you know, in, in terms of Switching and then and then tell worry oh. about what's happening, but you must have feared for your life at times. A few times, <laughs> and, and, that, and that,
0: that's not in the past. that's not in the past. Yeah, well, you yeah, know, a few that's times. What
1: you're times. doing just now, you know that that in itself, you're you know this yourself. I'm, I'm telling you things that you already know, but you, you're putting yourself at danger daily because it's it's dangerous yeah. people ultimately that you are exposing or you know that you're you're trying to bring down, and that's now been a, a common theme for. For number of decades,
0: oh, I love it! <laughs> I love it. Imagine having all them lunatics, them violent bedsit masturbators, just obsessing about killing me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fantastic, isn't it? I was really surprised because of that, that. I wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't on the Queen's Honours list this year. But hey, I'm, I'm, no. Look, yes, there are uh, old friends and new enemies who would very much like to uh, do me a harm. But what can I do?
1: Yeah.
0: You, know? uh, yeah. you must be doing something right. Do you, must just,
1: be doing... do you just think
0: I if I a... could if I could sue every moron on Twitter thinks about me I'd never be out of court. But, but you know, it is not it's not just me. I think mean, there's some of the people that we work with for the inside the far right um sometimes they themselves don't quite grasp until it's uh, until it's time, what uh, what a danger it could be, or how dangerous it can be. I'm I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware of that now, you know. I, and I made those choices. I went to Australia for ten years. I came back. Um, that was a job I sort of fell into uh, eventually, you know. Nazis love talking to me. They love telling me the ins and outs. I mean, really, I was talking with uh, a colleague the other day, and he just said, "Imagine if you could write a real book about." everything you know about people. And I was like, yeah, well, maybe that will come one day. But it's a dangerous job, I guess. But, you know, someone's got to do it. Hey, there's loads of people going around saying what great work they do and and and, and more power to all of
1: them. Yeah.
0: More power, more power to all
1: of them. Did, 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 they, did, they did, did someone ever tell you to take a step back? Or did you, you just get it? That, that's that's Matt now. He's he's doing good for the greater society.
0: It's not, it's not, it's not a discussion. I don't discuss my work with anyone. Yeah, I don't. Old girlfriends, new girlfriends, ex-wives. I don't. I, I don't discuss it with anyone. Seriously, I, we had. We had an issue, I guess, during the terror trial. Um, and you know the, the the plot to murder Rosie Cooper. There, you know, there was an issue about. Um, police coming to the house. I mean, the police were more of a pain than the Nazis, you know, for a while.
1: I'm um, but, yeah.
0: but um, you know that became very very stressful. Uh, and you know, changes were made, et etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But generally, I don't. I just don't discuss my work and discuss what I do. And that's as simple as that. Genuinely, I. Um, my dad thinks I'm. I think my dad thinks I'm um, a Labour MP or something. He saw me on TV, and he. I don't know. He seems. to, I don't know. I don't discuss it with him. And so that's it. And you know, the less they, the less they know, the better.
1: I think you know yeah. the work they hope not hate is is fantastic. though. And I seen the, uh, the recent campaign that they they launched around, you know, exposing Tommy Robinson's bankruptcy case as well. And uh,
0: yeah, it was like the world—it was like the world's worst kept secret, wasn't it? That yeah. Tommy might be hiding in his millions. So they uh, they've launched they launched this campaign this week, um, and they have the they have the power now to by law search for everything, track down every missing pound, every brick in every new house, all, all this kind of stuff. So that so so that's ongoing. You know, and it, it sometimes hope right, hey, upsets people, it, it gets on the wrong side of people, which is unfortunately saying something that it has to do, really. Um, but I, I I think even our biggest critics realize that, you know, there's no one other than Hope Not Hate that could do something like this, and I, you know, that's borne out, of course, isn't it? In the in the responses, you know, when Hope Not Hate do it, uh, so things shift and, and and things move.
1: I do, I do think it's it's remarkable work that, that the organisation do as well. And just just looking over over your shoulder, uh, Matt, at that Paul Heaton and, and Jackie Abbott poster that you've got there. Uh, did, do you think oh, that? Yeah. You think that music's played a, a big part in it? I, I know that you, you've became very close to Billy Bragg over the years, and and throughout your your book oh, as well, you spoke about Uncle Bill. <laughs> you spoke about uh, the beautiful south and people listening to beautiful south. And I was actually having a, a laugh with one of my friends the other day, and I was saying, you know, I feel that people on the right they, they often listen to left wing musicians with this unawareness that they that oh, what I they're see, singing about. An, one, of, one of the
0: one of the one of the great. Uh, comments ever directed at Paul Heaton, for instance, is from people that say, you know, I wish you'd just leave the music, I wish you'd just stick to the music and leave the politics politics out. And you think, but this is really, really true. Um, People uh, people must be just listening to different lyrics. I can't think (laughs) of a Paul Heaton song that isn't political. Exactly. But but, um, I, I had this about two years ago. About and I was I was told this, people are watching you on TV, but they ain't necessarily paying attention. And I'd just been on, I'd just been on channel four. The terror case had had finished and uh Nazis were behind bars. And I, expect, so I did, a, did a channel four thing that night. Um and then in the morning, went into a shop. I swear to God, the woman behind the counter looked at me and I thought, oh maybe she maybe she saw TV last night. And she just went, Oh, I saw you on TV last night. I said, Did you? She went, Yeah, I don't like packies either. And I was like, "What? you watched a whole show about what we did and who we are, and it's like, yeah. so yeah, That's so weird. People just people appear people just, people just don't pay attention I, I don't I don't know, but for me, music for me music was big i I carried music even when I was like a really nasty little Nazi. um I still liked um Bragg, the house martins, the railway children. Uh, yeah, new odd Joy Division, sort of, sort of like quite northern, miserable northern sort of, sort of stuff. Screwdriver, uh, the Smiths. That turned out well, didn't it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, music's music's always been music's always been big for me. The only criticism of me is is probably I haven't listened to a new artist in thirty years. And then you look at people like uh, Bragg and Heaton who are both in their 60s, or no, very nearly in their 60s and in their 60s. And you think, God am I don't you know, how much longer are they going to keep making music I can listen to? So, really, yeah, I'm stuck.
1: I went to see Paul and, Paul and Jackie just at the, the end of last year, you know, in Glasgow, and, and they were fantastic. But I think that they're the type of band uh, and musicians that unite all ages. You know, there was, you could see there was people there with their parents and their grandparents and, and having the time of their kissing, life.
0: Um, kissing Kissing couples. <laughs> It's kissing couples, communists, and football hooligans all together.
1: That's exactly
0: it. All together, taking all together, taking the different message out of perfect turn. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. Music, music plays a big part. I, I guess that's why sometimes I think uh, people overestimate the, the power of music to to change large things. But I, but also I, I think if you look at, you know, whenever there's been a a, a large movement. It's needed a soundtrack, it's needed people to stand up, it's needed radical musicians. I mean, you know, Billy Bragg's now uh, you know, a, a living treasure, for instance. But yeah, you know, there was a time when he was a radical, but he was saying radical things. And the same with, you know, I guess the same with heat, and then I guess the same with all those all those other bands. And now, you know, there's a younger generation we hope who are coming through, and they'll have sort of tastes in music that would make my ears bleed. But we 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 yeah, you know, we do need music, we do need art, we do need. We do need creativity because we're up against, you know, I guess the only good thing about this government is that hopefully it will spur, I hope really spur like working class kids to pick up their guitars and stuff like that and create some noise about it because that's actually what, you know, I know it is happening, but we're not hearing it. But it would be really, really good if we did get some really good jangly guitar, angry jangly guitar. Uh, absolutely not yeah, like, I, I feel that well, is... where are where are these bands What our music band is back you're Do just you no to the
1: you're just too old to be listening to them I'm telling you the, the likes of, I actually think the likes of Sam Fender you know from Newcastle he's coming out and his, his lyrics are very yeah I
0: like it I yeah,
1: like it very working class um, I,
0: um, yeah but I don't know if they're playing it on radio too I can't listen to that radio well
1: <laughs> that's the problem and and I it's, think the musicians do get political nowadays they almost get pushed away from the radio one slots as well to a certain
0: degree you know yeah well, um. well but um, yeah anyway look e- email me we did this album years ago Good night. That was a really really good position. Is that when, uh,
1: when uh, is that when Billy Bragg's uh, confronting the BMP at the, the by election? or was it the
0: no, uh, <clears throat> no, he's um, he's confronting Richard Barmbrook. That was during the um, was during the general election, two thousand ten. He ran into Richard Barmbrook and they had this because uh, people yeah, people always think, oh yeah, Billy Bragg turns up plays with his guitar, but on that day. <clears throat> Uh, Billy Bragg carried curries up for about 300 people up the stairs on his own. Then he went out and delivered hundreds of leaflets and he bumped into uh, Richard Palmbrook and they had this terrific stand-up rail. Yeah, those were the good old days. They had this terrific um, stand-up rail. So it's a terrific photograph that's taken and we made an album called Good Night and we got loads of um, artists to uh, contribute to it. But, you know... I if you if there are musicians out there, we want to hear you anyway. <laughs> good anti, good anti, good, good auntie but No, we, we need create, we need creativity, we need artists.
1: We need, um, without without um, getting into obviously, you don't talk too much, but your your work, Matt. Looking mm-hmm. forward, you know what what do you see as the biggest threats to to society at the moment coming from the far right, and and what do you see as as uh, the positives to take for the future as well?
0: Well, the positives are that. Um, Mm. Well, I think this I think this uh, I think this government is adding to um, this really destructive hateful narrative that, we, that people have about foreigners and about different countries and things like that but um, the, this increase in I mean just yesterday I was pointing out on Twitter how, you know, a grown man who leads one of these far-right groups, he's a, he's a grown man, he's only a few years younger than me. He's obsessed by a computer game, And he's complaining that some of the characters in his computer games, the female characters, are unrealistic. He's complaining that they've given women in computer games too much power. And I, you know, I think we need, I think we need to get all young boys and girls out playing football, all of them and off these bloody computer games. There is there is a, a, a risk, I think, increasingly, particularly with COVID, during lockdown, people became more isolated. I think people were less inclined or less, day, less able, unless they were the prime minister, to talk to family and friends and social And I think for a lot of young people, retreated further and further into the internet. Um, and I, I genuinely do think as well, there's fewer and fewer progressive voices Online, or there's fewer and fewer sensible people online, and I, I guess there's, you know, what I was talking about we need more creativity, we need more artists. I think we also need to flood those spaces where people are going looking for recreation. We need to we, we need to flood those spaces. One of the ways we we, we turned so many young people against the BNP back in two thousand and eight, nine, and ten, is that we ran the Hope Cup, the Hope Not Hate Cup in Barkin and Dagenham on show day. We got hundreds and hundreds of kids from across the borough playing uh, five-a-side and six-a-side football against each other. We offered them professional coaching. Some of them, we offered, some of them actually got a FA grade one coaching certificate. Um, we had to be really, really energised at the time, I think, as a movement, right across the move. And, you know, one did and does different things. But in that period, when we saw that the far right is problematic electorally, and, and particularly in Barking and Dagon, we thought they might get an MP or they might take control of the council. When you saw the energy that that generated in the trade union movement and in the labour movement, that people came together and said, right, what can we do to to sort of cut the legs off this? And we've got, uh, and we've got discussions going, and we, the great and the good in communities stood up. I'm not seeing that, although I'm sure it, it is happening. But like, yeah, we, we need to see more of Community standing up and saying, "Well, how do we tackle this? How do we continue to tackle this?" When you see when you see MPs lauding the work of food banks, you know it, it,
1: it's well, criminal. Did themselves. It's yeah.
0: criminal. Tory MPs going along for selfies at food Horses. banks. Yeah, M- yeah, and and, and donating a bag. You know, in, in some regard, yes, there is a there's an element or there's a spirit of solidarity about food banks, but we don't want them. No. Well, yeah, you know, we want food on the table. How 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 can we tackle this? So, yeah, uh, you know, I'd like you know. Get people into their trade unions, get them active. We we do face a bigger problem. Yeah, you know, it's a difficult problem to, to, to articulate because but there is a greater far right terror threat. There are more and more of these young men stuck on online with these horrific views. I mean, imagine a man in his fault is telling you that it's problematic that a woman on his computer game has got superhuman powers. You know what I mean?
1: Just yes, isn't it? It's unbelievable.
0: So, so 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 we need we need we need to flood those spaces. We need to get our live music venues open. We need to get everyone doing karaoke if we can. But you know, but but, but seriously, you know, it, you know that that's a progressive movement. Yeah. We have all the artists. We have all the musicians. Let let's go out and create. Let's create this. And let's get people uh, back involved. The thing you know, the big thing is uh, is is community. It's yeah. how to you know find yeah. those people in in our communities, but but not me. Because obviously I'm, I'm, I'm pretty antisocial. I just, I just, I just like to know and see what's going on without taking part myself. <laughs> but, that, but that's what it is. We have to, we have to do this work.
1: Right? No, no you're, you're spot on. You're absolutely spot on, and I, I think that's what the the left need to be more involved with. Has actually been seen in their local communities and, and singing karaoke. You know, if you
0: I'd know if I'd, have known, if I'd have known you were from Motherwell, I would have worn my Motherwell snood
1: um, as a oh, train really? driver
0: in Motherwell. Yeah. I'd go and find it, but I'd, I actually do know where it is. Hold on, press pause. Go for it. Seriously, I get my <laughs> the fucking man from FedEx turned up.
1: <laughs> Good timing. That's <laughs> it. The Saturday service one. <laughs> That's all it is. I've seen them going about I, I can guess the train driver, Matt. I'd imagine it was uh, Jim Baxter right. or or Tam Ferguson. I don't know. Yeah.
0: But uh, anyway, if you, if the Motherwell hooligans are watching this, uh, I'm not wearing this because it's thin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny.
0: I wear one of I wear one of these instead.
1: Ah, yes, brilliant. Right.
0: Oh, anyway, so that's what. So anyway, so yeah, um, fantastic. No, the, 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 the threats are more insidious. I think they're less easy to spot. We're seeing more and more. I mean, it's weekly now. Young men on terrorist charges, and the the thing that's particularly disturbing is this, this hatred. Visceral hatred of intelligent uh, and and strong women, and running throughout it all, this hatred. We're seeing the increase in really hardcore pornography, real hardcore bestiality, uh, and, and the the child sexual exploitation. We're seeing a, a whole raft of of that now in the in the far right, amongst very very young men who are disconnected. From society, and and like I say, we've got to get. We've got, you know, it sounds a bit hippie-ish, but you know, we've got to get people back out and engaged in their communities, doing community stuff. You know, and you know, I'm not suggesting chess clubs. I'm suggesting <laughs> football rugby or, or things things that are things that are accessible yeah. to people. And and Motherwell Football Club do a, a great deal of good. Absolutely. I um, wrote I wrote about and They had this thing about uh, school dinners. Yep. They had this thing about. Uh, unemployed people come into football matches yeah we we've, we've really got to get you know we've got to take back control of so many uh so many parts of our community like our community assets need to fall back into yeah. our hands we need to get people back in onto onto the committees to to take to take control of things we need to talk about the, the, this this rise of this violent hatred of women and young girls in society we need to talk about all that kind of stuff because at the moment, the the threat from the far right isn't um, uh, electoral, but I think very very much it's it's cultural and social, very very much, and some people aren't realising it or seeing it, but you know we might be hearing it, you know, but it seems to be acceptable if pretty Patel is talking about turning people back in boats. Come on,
1: that's so interesting.
0: We, we need to get our arguments and, and you know our ideas of humanity and decency back out. In, in, into
1: the community. Absolutely, into Matt. It's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh oh, not, not, not a your problem at all. Well. And
0: if anyone, if anyone at Motherwell wants to send me a football shirt, I'm, I'm a double XL, but that's only because I'm muscular and not.
1: <laughs> listen, thanks to everyone who has watched or listened to this episode of the podcast. Please go back and check. Oh my
0: it. God, this didn't go out live, did it? No, not at
1: all. Not at all. All
0: right, yeah, because you've got to edit out all the swearing and. That. Oh, listen, you can swear all you want.
1: Totally fine. Totally. Employees.
0: My my employers watched this. I'm not talking about that. More.
1: That's funny.